You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, February the 15th, in the year of our Lord, 2024. We have begun the season of Lent yesterday, and today we're going to be talking about a very, very important item. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my co-host, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Have you had any snow up in your area? No, they're talking about it later today, but uh, it's one of those things that's only supposed to be for the day, and then it clears up again tomorrow. Did they indicate how many inches? Well, it depends on which station you listen to. Some it's a half an inch, another it's a couple of inches, but it's supposed to be gone by tomorrow again. Yeah, today I'm going to be preaching up your way, though, and two congregations. So I was just I checking you, out on the weather. I think but, you'll be okay. All righty. When I do a sermon, I always like to begin it with a question to the congregation. And in light of what we're going to be talking about today, my question to the members of the congregation would be, are you a sinner or are you righteous? Now, if I ask that question, what do you think most members of a congregation would respond with? Well, they would probably go, sinner, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Exactly. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, that that is a misunderstanding of Christianity. Because nothing sums up the identity of a Christian better than what phrase? Simo Lucis et Peccator. That doesn't sound very English. What well, does that Latin mean? It, it sounds it, like it, a Latin it, phrase, right? Right, it's a Latin phrase. It, it means the Christian is at the same time totally a sinner who deserves God's temporal and eternal punishment, but totally righteous before God on account of Jesus' Good Friday. Well, that's interesting. You're saying that at the very same time, he is a total sinner as he confesses in the liturgy, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, but also the Christian is totally righteous in God's sight because of Jesus what? God, Jesus, uh, crucifixion, his death and resurrection. Exactly. Now, does the Bible give that teaching anywhere that you are at the very same time a total sinner and total righteous? Well, we would use Romans uh, chapter 7. Oh, so what does Paul say in that, if you would uh, quote it? For what am I doing? 
I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I doing it, but sin which dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. I practice the very evil that I do not want, but I am doing the very thing I do not want. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells within me, Romans 7. Yes, that's verses 15 to 20. And that really takes some explanation because he is saying that in his life, this is the Apostle Paul, after he's been converted, that he's not practicing what he wants to do. He's doing the very thing I hate. But as I do the very thing I do not want to do, he therefore agrees with the law, confessing the law is good. Now the law is good because, and this was in our Sunday school material recently, uh, Enduring Faith by Concordia Publishing House. It had this statement. Until you realize what a sinner you are, you don't appreciate fully the work of Jesus Christ. Mm. You, you know, for we, you're always encouraged to give up something for land. Yeah. I gave up sinning. I only lasted about two seconds. Yes, I was going to say, we are unable to give up that because of our nature. Our we old, have original um, sin. Right. And even though we may not do a lot of deeds that are sinful, we have a lot of thoughts and sometimes words that are sinful. Yeah. And so Paul really explains it well. On the one hand, the Christian life is one in which what we practice is what we don't want to practice. That's why we're sinners. But on the other hand, we know not to practice those things and we repent of them. And when we repent of them, what do we receive from God? It's forgiveness. His mercy. Excellent. In other words, that occurs because of the faith given to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, you know it's a good thing that somebody outside of me is more objective about that. In other words, Jesus. It's, it's, it's just so hard on our own to... to to not to do 
I call it the good that I would that I should. I do not, and the very thing I don't want to do ends up being the very thing that I do. Exactly. But we get great hope from another verse, Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Would you read that? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. If that is not a beautiful summary of the distinction between law and gospel. See, when people read the Bible or when the world has its own religion, they usually conclude that the way to get right with God is to obey the law. But it is impossible for a even a Christian to obey the law. But there's still no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because there's another law of God. The one law which could have saved you is the law of the Ten Commandments. If you were willing and able to obey them like Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, they would be saved. But they fell into sin. So what is the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? What does that mean? Well, that's, uh, it means that Christ has set you free from, from the law of sin and death. And in Jesus, there is no condemnation. That is really good news, which is the meaning of the word gospel. When St. Paul says, I was, and he doesn't say I was in the past tense, what does he say? Yeah, I found this very interesting. Never thought of it this way before. But I practice the very evil I do not want in the present. Yes. He's confessing that he's an active sinner, in fact, not in theory. That's what every Christian needs to understand when they enter into a worship service. That's why we confess our sins And we even say, what do we deserve? Nothing but his eternal punishment. And eternal punishment. Yes. Yeah. And that is in the present tense. We deserve it. But also in the present tense, those individuals who have faith in Jesus Christ we confess that we are not a slave to the law of sin and death, but what we are a, a servant to or a slave to. What are we? Well, through the Spirit, we're a slave to, to Christ Jesus. You know, so often when we, we look at the translations in New Testament, where we run across the term servant. And the other word that we can use is slave. One is either a slave to sin or one is a slave to, to, to Christ Jesus. 
And we love to being a slave to Christ Jesus because that means we're his servant, obeying right. his will. Right. Now, is this taught only in the New Testament? Well, this was interesting in this article. They brought up uh, uh, Old Testament and uh, Psalms 143, for instance, and do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no, no man living is righteous. Now, who said that? David. King so, David. on the one hand, in verse 2 of Psalm 143, he says, no man living is righteous. But then what does he say later on in the chapter in verses 10 and 11? Well, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring, me, bring my soul out of trouble. Wow. So how is our soul brought out of trouble? In his righteousness. And the righteousness of Christ was, of course, the death on the cross. This teaching that a believer in Christianity is at the same time wholly a sinner and wholly righteous is found throughout the Bible. In fact, Paul writes similarly to Timothy in his first chapter, verse 16 uh, and verse 15. What does he write? Well, in verse 15, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost of all. Now, that's really important. Paul considers in the present tense that he's the foremost of all sinners. But in spite of this, what does he say in verse 16? For this reason I found mercy, so that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate this perfect obedience as an example for those who would follow in him for eternal life. And so how is Jesus our savior? By faith. Yes. We trust his promises and his promises are based on what he did. He became our substitute on the cross. So this teaching is not only found in the Old Testament under David and Isaiah and many of the prophets. It's not only found in the New Testament under St. Paul's teaching and the teaching of the Gospels, but it's also found out of the Bible, namely the teaching of Martin Luther. As he read this section, what did he have to say? Well, the saints are being righteous 
are at the same time sinners. They are righteous because they believe in Christ, whose righteousness covers them and is imputed to them. But they are sinners because they do not fulfill the law and and are without sinful desires. They are sick people in care of a physician. They're really sick, but healthy, only in the hope insofar as being better healed, they will become healthy. Nothing can harm them so much as the presumption that they are in fact healthy or this cause a bad relapse. That's Luther out of his Romans commentary. Yeah. And what he is saying is really, really critical. He makes it very simple for the laity. And, and that's something that we can be very thankful for, that Luther had this good way of exp- explaining. Because he says very clearly that while at the same time we are sinners, we are also righteous because of our faith in Christ. See, that's the huge difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. In every Mm -hmm. other religion in the world, you are righteous because you do righteous good works all the time and you stop from sinning. And, And that's why you were kind of ironic in saying that for Lent what you gave up is your sin, which, of course, the Christian cannot give up because it's part of our nature. Will that sin ever go away? It goes away. You know, it's interesting. Martin Luther also talked about the day of completion of our baptism is the day that we die and we go to heaven and and to glory with, with, with Christ. So... The day, the day I see Jesus face to face, either in death or in his second coming, I know then that it's over, and and I, I never see those sins again. So this phrase, simul justus, that means at the same time just, and then also peccator, also a sinner, that's what that Latin means. If you don't believe that, then your theology, what does it lapse into? Well, it lapses into a moralism. I have a question for you for, for Lent. Yes. Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday comes from Second Corinthians chapter 6. And it says, Behold, at the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Is Paul talking about that right now, today, I'm saved? I would say absolutely. Because if at any moment in your life you die, where do you mm. go? You, you, well, in Ecclesiastes it says, the spirit returns to God which gave it, and the body returns to earth which gave it. Excellent. There is a division between the spirit and the body. Are they ever again united? On the day of resurrection, well, 
is the second coming of Christ. Excellent. So there's three parts to the kingdom of God. You're part of the kingdom of God here on earth where you are both a sinner and righteous. Then after you die, you go into what's called the interim, the time between your death and judgment day. And there you are in a righteous state. And then after judgment day, your body is restored to your spirit and you live a totally righteous life by thought, word, and deed in heaven with the Holy Trinity forever. Mm -hmm. So how is moralism defined? Well, is salvation reduced to a, a process of self uh, self improvement? Yes, I, I found this very important. That every person in moralism contributes their fair share in their progress to salvation, and then God does his fair share. Did Luther think that that was acceptable? Well, we are in fact totally righteous, even though sin is present, in which we are in fact at the same time altogether sinners. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of people that says, I don't like those Christians because they're, they're nothing but a bunch of sinners. And it's true. On the other hand, they're also totally righteous. Yes. Why don't we like the righteous part? Because we don't see it a lot of times. No. They certainly confess it when they confess the creeds, when they agree with the Bible, and particularly if they were not righteous, what could they not receive during worship? Well, forgiveness and and the Holy Communion, you know, it's a exactly. Yes. Unless you are righteous in the sight of God, then taking communion would be a mistake. Because you think you're saved by your works. But by taking communion, you're really confessing that you're saved by the works of Jesus Christ. So we don't believe in moralism, namely no. that people become moral by their works. That's false teaching. Moralism is on the basis of works. Now, do Christians, do they do moral good works while they're still here on earth? Well, of course they do. There are, there are things that we, we try, to, try to do to, in response to the, the cross of Christ in our life. Uh, I like to explain it this way. We come to the altar with nothing 
as we leave the altar that day, we have received the forgiveness of Christ, and we can go out there and work good works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Yes. So Luther thought it was unacceptable to say that Christianity was moralism. It's incompatible with Scripture. If we have to do our part and meet God halfway, what do we end up with? Well, we end up with self-work, self, self, uh, self, uh, justification. Luther says we end up with terrified consciences. Because we recognize we're not being perfect enough. And therefore, we don't run the show. Who runs the show in our salvation? Well, that's the good news. God runs it through Jesus Christ. And, yes. And it's, it's objective. And, there's never enough good works we can ever do. Good works are a response to what God has done for us. Yes. They don't save us. They're only done after we are totally saved as part of the life of sanctification. So no, this article is a tremendously good article to help people understand that you are at the very same time a sinner, you are also, from God's point of view, righteous. And therefore, yes, sin is present, but we are altogether forgiven those sins. That's the good news about God's justification of the ungodly in Christ. That never occurs in any other religion. I'm Tom Baker, and you heard Wes Reimnitz. Thank you, Wes, so much for helping us today. Join us tomorrow for additional indications of the distinctions between law and gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.